This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights Week 5 Recap Things. We thought would get a little hectic this last weekend, Pierce, but uh, sheer domination from people at the top. I'm excited to break it all down. And as Georgia fans, we are feeling pretty good. Before we get into it, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Um, yeah, interesting week last week. Uh, you know, it was it, there was chaos. There was chaos now. A lot of, uh, I think there were, what, four top ten teams did go down. Uh, but you're right. The top two uh, stay the top two and stay there and probably – uh, take another little leg up in the competition as far as separation between top two and the rest of the field. Uh, but excited to get into it because we do have some good storylines uh, coming off this past week. Um, you know, obviously going to cover the Cincinnati Notre Dame game. That was a good one. Um, you know, a number of good games uh, down down in Death Valley. That was a, that was surprised me a lot. Um, and even on that the West Coast, obviously with a big upset. So excited to dive in and uh, cover cover everything, all the ins and outs. One that I was pretty surprised about is I really thought that Maryland, who's been pretty good on offense, would give Iowa a little bit more of run for their money. But the Hawkeyes go to Maryland and win 51-14. to uh, The Hawkeyes now are number three in the nation, setting up a huge matchup this next weekend, uh, week six, with number four Penn State. Uh, we, of course, will break that one down next week if you're not subs- – or not next week, in about a – day if you're not subscribed <laughs> make sure you are so that you won't miss us uh, breaking that one down and telling you where the money is um but yeah an absolute thrashing pierce they suffocated maryland on defense six uh total interceptions five through the air one fumble and they gave up only 271 yards of total offense and this is with a two a talia tongue by that was looking pretty good and a terps offense that was rolling um and offensively the hawkeyes finally clicked as well they scored 34 points in the first half alone bringing home points on nine consecutive possessions that's not something we've seen from them so far this season and like i already alluded to or not even alluded to teased it sets up a major game against Penn State next week that that will quite frankly it it's a it's an early playoff game uh if if you want to you know really evaluate it that way it, it really is a, an early playoff game we've had a couple of those already this season uh so we are really really benefiting from some of these matchups that are seeing some heavy hitters go uh against each other my bragger of the week in this game Pierce the Iowa defense who dominated and put their offense in great positions to get points. That's one of the reasons why their offense have clicked so much, which has not been necessarily their strong suit. But the defense, like I said, with six turnovers, uh, able to put their uh, offense in great positions and give them lots of opportunities to score, and they capitalize. So that's a, 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 a blowout to start the slate off early. What did you see uh, in this game? It was just a, a thrashing uh, by Iowa's defense. Uh, and – Quite surprised. You kind of expected Iowa to come out and have the more physical ball club, probably the more disciplined ball club, I would certainly say as well. I I think that with with Talia, um, I've heard heard some people say Talia. Um, Anyway, Talia, I thought he was going to be able to come out there and just by sheer talent throw for, you know, 400 yards, throw all over the field and keep them in this ball game. 
And, uh, and that simply wasn't the case, you know, made some, some of the most shocking throws I've seen in college football, I think to date this season, um, you know, just, just awfully awful decisions, poor throws. Uh, now, now not all of those picks were his necessarily. I think, I believe there was one, maybe even two tipped off the receiver's hands. Um, and then I think one at the end of half, right before just throwing a Hail Mary that was picked off. But Iowa, Iowa just, they, they know how to take advantage of someone else's mistakes. And that's a great quality to have, especially when you, um, you know, don't have the most explosive offense. This, this team's able to make big plays in, in big moments, uh, you know, make interceptions, turn them into either touchdowns or, you know, make, give them short fields to work with. There was a sad moment, unfortunately, uh, towards the, I think it was pretty early on in the second quarter where, I think 14-7 ball game and and Maryland gets the ball and their return man has a nasty knee injury and just by sheer you know unfortunate pain he drops the ball right there and and that was unfortunately the end the, the beginning of the end uh from there Mar- or Iowa rattled off three more touchdowns in that quarter alone as well as a field goal to tally 31 in that second quarter as you hit on and uh Iowa just keeps plugging they've got a big one this week certainly being at home helps uh, but to come out against a team that I think a lot of people were sleeping on in Maryland, who is a, a solid team, you know, not not a top 25 team necessarily, but, you know, top 35 ball club at home, electric energy on a Friday night blackout uh, against a big opponent who doesn't have the most explosive offense. So you expect to kind of hang with them uh, until the end and to go out there and do what they did is very impressive and uh, certainly looking like one of two teams that I have outside of the top two teams who, uh, who might be for real. Yeah, that'll be interesting uh, to see what happens this upcoming weekend and what happens in the rest of the season because it's been a chaotic year so far outside of the uh, the top two. And, and Iowa's trying to make a play for why they could be lumped into that conversation of uh, top three before the major drop-off. Um, another dominant performance, Georgia 37, Arkansas 0. Uh, the ball is over for college football's Cinderella story. Now, who knows? They might be able to rebound, and I still think they might be the second-best team in the West. They've got a matchup with Ole Miss this week uh, in Week 6 that will help to kind of figure out the uh, picture out there in the SEC West. But the Georgia defense, which is the best in the nation, uh, absolutely put a halt to uh, this Cinderella season, like I said. And they put up their second consecutive shutout this season, something they haven't done since 1980. We all know what happened in 1980. Don't look too soon, but, you know, if you're – as someone in the state of Georgia, we're all collectively holding our breath. Uh, JT Daniels was out with a lat injury, but the ground game shouldered the load, and they put up 273 yards. They haven't really had a ton of explosivity this uh, season, um, but they finally saw some good ground game there, and they didn't have to rely on Stetson Bennett much. Uh, and Arkansas – on the on the flip side of that, they don't have a ton of bright spots in this one. Uh, obviously, when you're playing a team like Georgia, it's going to be hard to to have a ton of bright uh, spots. One of the things, though, I will say that they need to work on is they absolutely beat themselves up as well. They racked up 13 penalties for 100 yards, and if you're playing a unit like Georgia's defense, you can't do that kind of thing. And, and an offense, you know, you, you you're helping out an offense that's without their star quarterback when you're getting those kinds of penalties. Uh, my bragger of this game is Georgia's defense. I mean, you can't put enough accolades on them. They held Arkansas to 162 yards and only nine first downs on the game. Um, a, a close second would have been Zamir White getting two touchdowns on the ground and a blocked punt or a recovered a blocked punt. He didn't do the blocking of the punt. Um, but also, all in all, a, a great environment at Sanford Stadium. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're all collectively holding our breaths 
but uh, hopefully looking towards a really fun SEC championship. Uh, what were your thoughts here in this one? I know you got a ton of them. Yeah, you know, certainly unfortunate to see those early penalties. If you're an Arkansas fan, uh, definitely a bad sign <laughs> early in the game. I mean, you got to play a clean ball game in order to hang with uh, with a squad as talented as, as Georgia has. Uh, you know, I don't. It, it certainly wouldn't have mattered. They, they, this team could have been out there for for eight more games, and and I don't think they would have scored on this Georgia team. Um, but it certainly did put them in some tough spots. Obviously, that block punt was a result of uh, getting in poor field position and being backed up. Um, and, and and their defense, man, their defense just their will was broken early, and 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 the the penalties certainly were a contributing factor there. The block punt. Getting down early when it was uh, what was it seventeen or twenty one nothing, you just knew. Oh boy, like I don't think they can score that much on this on this defense. So it it, it really broke the, the will and the spirits of this Arkansas Razorbacks team early, um, and and from there it was just kind of a runaway freight train. A couple takeaways here for me. Um, I, I got to give kudos to this player because I've been hard on him. Not necessarily saying he's not talented, but just saying, man, every year we expect this is the year. This is the year this guy's going to break out, and that is James Cook. He had the game of his career, in my opinion, um, and, and was quite honestly the featured back for majority of the game. And I mean, what really ran hard, was really uh, you know finding holes, making some guys miss, um, averaged 7.3 yards per game, went for 87 on only 12 carries. That's really good work. Obviously, Zamir complimented him well, and I think Kenny McIntosh actually graded out as the best running back of the five um, in this game that ran the football. Uh, yeah, this is uh, – and, and and I know it doesn't mean jack squat, but at the end of the day, if you watch that game and you know enough about this Georgia team, had JT Daniels started this game, 50 points would have been scored. It's just as simple as that. Once we got up early, there was no sense to go out there and let Stetson try and throw it around. It was just going to be run the football down their throat. Had JT been in there, we would have taken some more shots. Um, earlier in this game and certainly even into the third quarter, maybe even into the fourth. Uh, so Arkansas should be fortunate, <laughs> should be thankful that JT did not play. But it was just a very uh, – it was just kind of a workman's-like performance for Georgia. Just come out, did their job, got up easy, and then just uh, used their their brute force to uh, just kind of coast into a 37 nothing game and set up uh, Deep South Solis rivalry coming up this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and like I said already, I don't think all is lost for Arkansas. I still think they're a really talented team. Um, just like I think that Ole Miss is going to rebound on offense, and we'll get into that in a minute too. Well, um, I was going to – I'm sure you know, obviously, they do play each other next. What, real yes. quick, real quick, what, what do you think about that game? Don't don't go into huge synopsis, but just what, what quick gut feel. Uh, where is it? I believe it's in Oxford. Oh, well, then Ole Miss. I think See, I, like I think Lane Kiffin was absolutely embarrassed. Um, I think that uh, we are seeing that a lot of Arkansas's offensive firepower, or offensive success. Now this bodes well against an Ole Miss defense. That's not not good. Um, but a lot of their offensive success was was a little bit of luck. Um, so it's going to be a fun one, and it could go either way. But I, I just think that with the with the way that Lane Kiffin acted. Um, he he's going to show no mercy. And I get if he, it. If, he, if get he's it. given an inch, he's going to take a mile. And we'll get it. I'll get into it just slightly more. I'm not going to spoil any previews here of our show tomorrow. Um, but it, I'll get into it a little more when we get to this old Miss game. But uh, it'll be an interesting one. 
One last thing about the Georgia game, Pierce, just because I know we've got a lot of our people that listen to us since obviously the team we pay attention to the most. We're not, we're not shy about that one. Um, but a lot of chatter I'm seeing about the whole JT Daniels thing and what's going on there. And and I do believe the the kids hurt. Um, but, but, you know, where do you stand on the whole argument about Stetson? We, you know, I don't think we can win a national championship with Stetson, uh, personally, but, but, you know, no, seems to have a lot no, of faith no, no. In him. but, but I'm not worried about it right now because at the end of the day, we should be able to rely on this defense and uh, not have to, not have to worry about outscoring many folks this year. Uh, and that's just the reality of it. Um, yeah. And I will say this. I, about think, JT. I think we need to let JT get his rest because there's no sense in letting him go back out there early, re-aggravating it or maybe hurting something else around him, and then being out, you know, for another two weeks when we play sure. Florida. So let him rest. Certainly would love to have him this week in a hostile environment, but let him rest. Stetson will be able to go out there. He's done it before. Um, so let him go out there and do his thing. And um, I think, to be quite honest with you, I, I'm not sure about this past weekend. Certainly we didn't need to, to hear this or to see this. Didn't come to fruition. But say next week by the – just uh, dear God, I hope this isn't the case. But say next week it does get into a. We- it's just one of those weird games in Jordan Hare where just wacky, weird stuffs going on. You know they they've got those. They made the deal with the devil. So say it's a close game. Wouldn't be surprised to see Daniels try to tough one out. He dressed out last week for a reason, even though in warmups he couldn't go. You you could tell he was hurting. Um, he's still dressed out, and I think that's why. I think he yeah. could manage if need be, but he certainly wouldn't wouldn't be close to one hundred percent. Well, you took the words right out of mouth. I was going to say the same thing about, uh, to be fair about JT, he was dressed out. Um, he didn't do a ton of warming up, but but I think they were ready to go to him in an emergency situation. I'd imagine, to your point, that will be the case as well on the planes, but I wouldn't be surprised to not see him until Florida. Um, all right, let's shift our attention to Michigan. They took down Wisconsin 38-17. to the Wolverines finally get back on top of the Badgers after dropping the last two matchups. I mean, I don't know what to make of Harbaugh this season. It's like he's finally maybe righted the ship, although they still have the bulk of their schedule to go. Um, they have been running up a storm this season on the ground, but they flipped the script against a dominant uh, or a, 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 uh, not a dominant, but a but a. Not a decent. I can't even think of the word. A good. (laughs) They're good. They're uh, proficient. That's the word. A proficient Wisconsin running um, defense. Flip the script, like I said, and it paid off. Uh, I'll get into this in my brag of the week, but Cade McNamara was called on and he he delivered. Meanwhile, Wisconsin's season continues to be woeful and saw Graham Mertz leave the game with a chest injury, which is really when the tide swung towards Michigan. I mean, it was close. Uh, although you did feel like Michigan was going to take care of business. But when Graham Mertz went out, that was when it really became dire for the Badgers at home. Uh, my bragger of the game, Cade McNamara, quarterback for Michigan, 17 of 28 for just shy of 200 yards and two touchdowns. Here's the thing. Those aren't prolific numbers, Pierce, but I do think he is proving that he may be a little bit of the missing piece, a little bit of the spark that Harbaugh has needed, uh, you know, even even if you want to say game manager, but but that's been Harbaugh's one thing is he really hasn't had a quarterback he can rely on. Perhaps he finally has that with Cade McNamara and uh, we'll see as they get into some of their bigger matchups, but this was the first one that we thought they could get really tripped up on. Um, if it wasn't a Washington team earlier that, that ended up being poop, but uh, we thought maybe Wisconsin could do it and uh, they don't get it done. Michigan 38, Wisconsin 17. What were your thoughts on this one? Well, first I got to say, this makes me so mad and, and I hit on it every week. It feels like, so I know it's going to be a broken record, but uh, with a number of these games outside of my easy peasies, 
Um, a lot of these games, these big games, not not all, but a few of them, uh, I'll let marinate over the week. You know, we do these early in the week, so uh, you know it, it's tough to kind of make those picks on a Tuesday um, or a Monday. And and I'm looking at this. I pick Michigan, and what do I do on Saturday? I, I go right back to to my guilty pleasure of of taking a, an awful Arkansas or Wisconsin team. And, and just getting embarrassed and being wrong. Um, I should have stuck with my gut in this one. This one, uh, just listen, Wisconsin is just not good. They're just not good. And and I don't know what the deal is there. They certainly don't have the offensive linemen this year to be able to dictate uh, play on the line of scrimmage and, 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 you know, get that explosive, that good running game that they so desperately need. Uh, they're having to put more on Graham Mertz again. And listen, he's just not a great quarterback either. Um, he's a guy that needs to be able to only drop back 15 to 18 times a game um, at, to throw, and they need to be running it 40 times a game. And and they're just they're not good enough um, really at any level. Their running backs have been they've, they've been lacking that explosive running back since Jonathan Taylor left. You know that dynamic back who can take one you know 80 yards to the house um, at any given time, and they just don't have that right now. A little worried about Paul Chris. I don't know where he goes from here. Last year was bad enough. I, I get it. It's COVID year. I mean, this year is 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 quite is downright awful for them right now. And uh, I mean, give kudos to Michigan going into that environment. They certainly embraced it. I, I think they're. I think that this week uh, might be their last weekend of being uh, unblemished on the season or not having a, a, a trip up on the season. I think we might be seeing that this week. But uh, good for them to go into Madison and get the win. Not much to say here. It was just kind of an ugh type of game. Wisconsin, when Mertz went out, they realized, holy cow, we can't win this game, even though probably weren't going to win it with Mertz. Um, and and so I think they've just about given up on their season, to be quite honest. So kind of a lackluster game, in my opinion, when all is said and done. And now Michigan goes to an interesting, uh, interesting game, traveling to Lincoln to face this, an interesting Nebraska squad. Yeah, I will be interested uh, to preview that one, Pierce, a Nebraska team that's quietly has looked better uh, over the past couple weeks. All right, Wake Forest 37, Louisville 34, one of the ACC's best shots. I say one of because they still have uh, NC State, still the highest ranked uh, team in the ACC. But Wake Forest is undefeated, one of the ACC's best shots at playoff uh, potential. They stayed perfect thanks to kicker Nick, and I'm going to butcher this name, Skiba, Skiba? I don't know. You might know better than I. Uh, but he had a game-winning kick. Uh, sorry, I did not pay attention to this. I didn't watch every minute of this one, I should say. And I should have looked it up before him, but I didn't. Both quarterbacks, Sam Hartman and Malik Cunningham, had solid days. And it felt like the Demon Deacons could potentially fall. Um, but ultimately, the Cardinals didn't have enough time to answer the game-winning kick from Nick. Uh, Louisville gets just their second loss of the season, but has some major things to clean up. My bragger of the game, of course, is the kicker, Nick Skiba, Shiba, I don't know, who kicked a field goal to put the Demon Deacons ahead before half and then again to win the game, and it ultimately was the difference. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Wake Forest. I, I'm only kind of kidding about them being the best shot uh, at the ACC, getting somebody in, but crazier things have happened in a year like this year as shaping up to be who knows down the stretch. But ultimately, you got to win your games, and that's what the Demon Deacons are doing give me your thoughts on this one i'm sure you didn't watch much of it but uh did you catch the highlights no i did i did actually watch a good bit i i liked this wake forest team all week um and so i had a little a nice little fun play on them at minus six and a half and listen i mean it, it wasn't necessarily pretty on either end it wasn't like it was two teams playing their a plus plus 
ball. But I give credit to both these teams. Listen, I have been going against Louisville since the beginning, their first game of the season against Ole Miss. And I thought they looked like utter garbage in that game. And and then they come up the next next game against UCF, or I think they played the game before that that they won a, a cream puff game. And then they come out against UCF, and while I certainly think that uh, UCF, you know, and Gus Malzahn, you know, kind of lost UCF that game with some of his play calling, and you're seeing that they might not be as good as expected, but Louisville did what they needed to do, and they have kept this ball rolling. So I got to give kudos to Louisville. They, they came out, Malik Cunningham, gosh, for a raw thrower um, and just more of an athlete kind of cut from a similar cloth as Lamar Jackson. Kids, the kid put up good numbers this week against not a great, but, a, but an okay defense in, in Wake Forest, and certainly on the road, that's good. And then on the flip side, Wake Forest coming out and and certainly wasn't pretty on their end, but coming out and just outclassing and being able to, to eke out a win here is ultimately a good thing for them. Um, you know, they're, they've got a target on their back now. They're, they're, they were 4-0, 24th ranked team in the country, uh, a, a hot Louisville team coming in, went in three straight. Um, so you knew they were ready and they, they've got some, some good players and Lee Cunningham's those, that type of player that can just take over a ball game. Um, so got to give credit to both teams here. Uh, Wake Forest ekes it out. I lose my bet, you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't happy, but both teams played pretty well. So I got to, I got to give them a pat on the back for those, for their performance. Cincinnati 24, Notre Dame 13. This was another one that felt kind of like a playoff game a little bit early in the season. The Bearcats. Headed to half with a 17 to nothing lead, thanks in large part to three turnovers in the first half by the Irish. Jack Cohn actually got benched for Drew Pine at quarterback for Notre Dame, and uh, Brian Kelly's now going to have to figure out how he wants to proceed because Pine was just the spark they needed, although they weren't able to get it done. He was definitely better than Cohn was in the first half. Uh, the Bearcats now are in great position to be a playoff contender. Uh, they're sitting at number five in the nation with this win versus Notre Dame and have two of the most impressive wins in the season. Um, and you've got three and four playing each other this week. So if you can just win out and, and hope that, you know, nothing too crazy, but even then, if you're sitting there in, in the top four, it's going to take a lot to get jumped. Uh, so so we'll see what happens, what the committee does with them. I could also see them very easily leaving Cincinnati at five and not wanting them to get a group of five school in but it's the closest we have had to something like that happening. Uh, so they got to take care of business. Um, and, and you know what? They're playing like they should in order to be seen to get a shot. We obviously know what happened when they played Georgia last year in the Peach Bowl. They, uh, they should have won that game, honestly, uh, but they didn't. Uh, and they're playing like a team that could could potentially, you know, I'd put them up against most of the the, the mid tier schools, upper tier, mid tier schools. Uh, my bragger of the game, Pierce Desmond Ritter, quarterback for Cincinnati. I'm gonna say this right now: he should be getting more Heisman talk than he is, especially with Matt Corral and Ole Miss going down this week. Uh, he had 297 yards and two touchdowns, uh, and he is playing like a kind of in a year where there's not anybody you can point to. I don't know why he's not getting more more chatter by his name maybe I've missed it um but ultimately like I said Cincinnati gets it done and that's what you need them to do if you want them to potentially get in the playoffs uh it could be fun two SEC schools group of five school and then you can throw in whoever you want maybe uh maybe in Oklahoma I don't know we'll see all right what were your thoughts on this one well to answer your question about why you don't think Raiders getting uh all the Heisman you know hype right now or at least a little bit um his his numbers aren't quite there however i'll say this to, in your favor with considering or saying he should get some Heisman ho- uh, voting or hype he had some good games he had a big uh, a big game versus Notre Dame that's huge it'll go a long way and with the 
easiness of their schedule coming up, I mean, they, their hard part's now behind them, he'll be able to put up big numbers. Um, certainly you worry about him being pulled in the third quarter, uh, but, but but he'll put up big numbers now that the, the tough games are out of the schedule. He'll be able to go out there and just throw for a, a crazy amount. Um, but, yeah, he made throws in this Notre Dame game that were certainly Heisman worthy um, and, and NFL worthy, and, and you don't see that all that often. Uh, and, 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 listen, I've been, I've been downplaying Notre Dame all, all year. I, I thought they were going to be poor coming into the season. Um, I certainly think they're still not the best team. I think you're probably looking at maybe three losses for Notre Dame, maybe even four when all is said and done. Um, that's just my take. But Cincinnati went into a hostile environment, a game that they needed to win, a game, quite frankly, that this is this was probably the biggest game of their of their entire program uh, when, when, when you really boil everything down to it. Listen, going to Notre Dame, a major, major, major program, top five program, just overall program, not, not necessarily football. They should be top five now, but you get what I'm saying. And, and in an area that you're kind of also battling for recruits and being the, the smaller school, you know, you're not going to win a lot of those and going in there and showing and proving your medal in a game that quite frankly, you had to win. I know you can't lose and, and be, you know, considered in or have an argument to be in, but not many teams are ready to schedule them. And they finally, they got that their chance and they had to make the most of it. And they did. So, um, yeah, I think you you also like Iowa. I think you penciled this is my second team, that I think they're good enough. Listen, we saw it last year against Georgia. We saw it with our own eyes. I watched that whole game other than the last maybe four minutes. Cincinnati now, Georgia was down nine starters that were going to the NFL. But Cincinnati came out and was just as physical, and they were fired up and ready to play, and they had some dudes, and their defense was flying around. Not sure if their defense is quite as good as it was last year, uh, but with a guy like Ritter and, and still having a lot of talent across the board, I think this team is a, is a legit top five team. And if they can run the table, I, it'll be tough. They need one more break to go their way, I think, with certainly like an OU going out. And then I think they're going to need maybe another loss from Ohio State or uh, Oregon, potentially. But I think if they get that OU loss, then they have no reason to not be in this playoff. So huge win for Cincy. Uh, obviously, maybe the biggest program or win in their program history. Uh, and give Ritter a lot of credit. He played with a lot of fire and and was not going to let them lose this game. All right, Alabama 42, Ole Miss 21. The game started with a quite the statement by Lane Kiffin to get your popcorn ready, and then he threw his headset off to his – I don't know if this was actually – this isn't real. He looks like he knew what he was doing, but he wanted to say, well, I didn't know that was going to be the last question. I was confused. Mm, you knew exactly what you were doing, Lane Train. You always – do that was the most interesting part of the game for Ole Miss they absolutely got thrashed uh, the tied defense stifled an explosive rebels offense that put them on their heels last year not the case in this one in Tuscaloosa and, and now Pierce the nation prepares for an inevitable eventual whatever adjective you want to use showdown in the SEC championship between Bama and UGA to be maybe the first of two. We'll see how things shake out. Anything could happen, uh, but it, but it will determine at least for the next month after that game, who the best in the nation is Kiffin, not Kiffin, sorry. Saban is now 24 and O against his former assistants. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, a lot of people gave Ole Miss a lot of credit in this one and thought it'd be fun again, but she just knew, and I should have been smarter with this, that she just knew that Saban was going to be ready. He was pissed off after last year, um, and, and being in Tuscaloosa in front of their fans, it just it, it was never in doubt. Not a, not a single 
bit of it was in doubt. My bragger of the game, Pierce Brian Robinson Jr., running back for Alabama, had 36 carries. Read it, 36, 171 yards and four touchdowns. Bryce Young had himself a good game as well. He is somebody who is uh, in Heisman talks uh, as well. But but ultimately, it's Georgia and Bama, and this game kind of helped solidify that. So what were your thoughts on this uh, SEC matchup? Uh, I think the simplest thing, uh, they weren't going to win this game after seeing uh, you know every, every snap. Ole Miss had no chance, but they had a chance to keep it a game at least for about a half. And, and Lane Kiffin absolutely ruined any chance of that. Uh, it's just as simple as that. I mean, he, his hands were so – he was so – I mean, listen, he, I don't know if he had one ball thrown, designed to go deep over 25 yards all game. They were doing these weird play calling, and, and I just I, – I, quite frankly, I didn't get it. Now, I, I don't blame him for going for all those fourth downs, um, and I, I put him out of the game – you yeah, know, but at their own eight 25. Minutes um, well, so, so you know what's funny? I actually felt like that one was more justified. The one down on the goal line, I think you need to take the point. Now, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think you need to take those points. It's so early in the game, your first drive. You, 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 that's a 10-point swing. You don't get the three points. They go down and score and get seven. Then you have a – I think they had a boneheaded mistake on uh, – on. I think the, the, the kick returner, like, called – Maybe I was in the Arkansas game. Maybe I'm getting mixed up. But then they were down 7 nothing and knew, oh, my goodness, we're about to have to punt it away and give Alabama a good field position. They're going to run it right down our throats and score again. Now 14 nothing. we got to get something going here. So, you know, if you look back, kick that field goal, 7-3, kick it back. You know, 14-3, you can get back to 14-10. It's a, it just seems – it's a different mentality there. But at the end of the day, Kiffin, that game plan he had was horrible. He did not let his guys go out and play. He tried to control everything. Um, and quite frankly, he looked uncomfortable the entire game. Um, I, you know, he had a lot of distractions throughout the week, which is kind of crazy that he would put himself in that spot in the first place. He didn't need to do any of it. Uh, you know, referring to the pardon the interruption, um, uh, you know, nonsense. And he just inserted himself into that. Uh, so, yeah, it was just not a good look from from Lane. Not a, you know, kind of feel bad for Matt Corral because they're just, you know, it just put, wouldn't put him in the right spots. Uh, on the flip side of things, Talking about the lines, you know, I love to do that. I, I talk about lines with the line of scrimmage play from just about every game uh, that we cover here. Uh, Ole Miss, not matched. They had no chance. Uh, this Alabama team imposed their will on the lines of scrimmage. And listen, here's what I'm, 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 I'm most interested in seeing moving forward with this Alabama team. They got beat on the line of scrimmage in Gainesville against the Gators. They got beat on both sides of the lines. Then they come in here, Ole Miss, you see, it's just no match, has no chance. What what do I make of that? Is, is Did Alabama improve? Did they take a step up? Or was it just simply Ole Miss was that bad at the, on the lines of scrimmage, that they were just kind of in the mold that Georgia was able to do, just able to run the ball and control the clock and control possession and that sort of thing and put up their 40 points? Um, so I'm torn to see. I, I'm interested to see how that goes uh, going into the Texas A&M game this week. I'm not sure if that – Really going to matter. I really don't think it will, but maybe that you know maybe they're able. A and M's able to hang with them a little bit better than Ole Miss. Um, interesting stuff there. Thought Bryce Young looked p- calm, cool, and collected. Uh, he's really impressing me. Not necessarily uh, putting up the crazy stats like you would think, but he just he's just in there. He's he, he's. I mean, he's just another coach out there. He's very calm. He's he's yelling at people, telling them to get in spots, telling them, you know he just looks 
in command of everything. So give Alabama credit. Um, Ole Miss certainly got some stuff to work on for sure. I think if uh, if Kiffin can just let the offense go, um, they certainly will be in a better spot. But uh, Crimson Tide continue to roll. Staying in the SEC, Kentucky 20, Florida 13. Kroger Field was rocking, and the fans stormed the field to celebrate the Wildcats' victory over the Gators. It was just a few years ago that we were celebrating the end of a 30-year streak, and I think the Cats have won two of the last three, maybe. Um, it's uh, two very different trajectories that these two teams are on now. Uh, Kentucky, obviously, improving to 5-0, and and Dan Mullen now needing to, to answer some, some serious questions about what's going on with this Florida team. Uh, Kentucky did get the win, thanks in large part to a blocked field goal, returned 76 yards for a touchdown late in the third quarter. Uh, neither team looked amazing. This was really a, sl- a slugfest. It wasn't like a beating up or anything like that. Um, but Kentucky will now hope to beat UGA to sit atop the, the SEC East, which I don't know when the last time, if they've ever done that. I don't think it's going to happen, but you give them a little bit of hope there. Uh, they're certainly sitting at the best spot to finish second in the East. And like I already said, Mullen's got some major questions. He's not in the past been very good about um, uh, taking accountability, and he's already done that as well in this game. Uh, You know, kind of a little bit of the delusional, don't ask me hard questions type uh, rigmarole from him post-game, not to be be, um, uh, surprised by at this point. And uh, from what I'm hearing, some of his support in Gainesville is turning at this point. My bragger of the game, Pierce, is Josh Pashal who blocked the kick, and Trevin Wallace, who returned it to take control of the game and ultimately put the Cats above the Gators. Like I said, uh, went 30 years without seeing a win versus Florida, and now they uh, seem to get them every other, if not every year. So good on them, and uh, fun to see the fans absolutely love it there at uh, Kroger Field. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens. Anything could happen. I mean, the Florida could come out and absolutely shock us with Anthony Richard at the helm, but uh, interested to see what what Mullen does here to try to answer uh, some of their woes, which the quarterback position has been one of them. All right, take me through your thoughts on this one. Well, I'm just going to give myself a pat on the back. I I believe I broke this one down to a T last week. You knew Florida was going to come out and going to be able to put up numbers, put up stats. Um, You know, they were going to be able to run the ball. Uh, But on the flip side, you knew Kentucky was going to bend but wouldn't break. They were going to keep it competitive. Offensively, they were just going to try and run the ball down their throats, make the occasional pass if needed. Uh, But but no matter how lopsided statistically things were, you knew Kentucky was going to keep this close. And by God, that's exactly what happened. Certainly had a big break getting that block kick and returning it. That was an electric play. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Florida comes out and, and, and you know, what's funny, these are the type of games where a team that should be, you know, taking that next step that should not have to struggle like this in a game, especially all week that this was, I think a lot of people were saying, watch out for Kentucky, watch out for Kentucky, watch out for Kentucky. And usually when you get all that, that hype, um, and that buzz for an upset, if you're a good team, a legit team, you, you, you use that as bulletin board material and, and you go out there and you, you whip ass. And that Florida just doesn't have that killer instinct. Uh, it's it's plain and simple. And Kentucky kept it close and came out on top, came out with that final big play that they needed to take down the Gators. And, yeah, I mean, simply put, Dan Mullen's just not a big game coach. I mean, yeah, you can say he, he – I think he's, what, two and – like one in six in his last or one or two and seven in his last nine um, versus ranked opponents, something like that. I mean, 
he just he he can he can shock the world by keeping it close against an Alabama, and then goes out and lays an egg against a, a team like a Kentucky. So, um, you know, big big things that they need to figure out down there in uh, Gainesville. Certainly think that it could help Dan Mullen to hire some quality assistants down there. I certainly think there are some areas and room for improvement um, at multiple spots. Uh, but I, I certainly don't think this is the year. And and what it does for for Florida. Now it's pretty much the Georgia-Florida game, and that's all they really have to play for. Uh, so you might see this team trip up again. Uh, you know, hope these guys don't quit on the team, but uh, something says that they you could see another slip up. Absolutely. Well, hey, they also have FSU to end the season, so, you know, anything could happen there. Uh, just kidding. That's a joke. Uh, all right. Oklahoma State 24, Baylor 14. Do you remember, Pierce? I know you do because you're a Big 12 guy. When the Big 12 played offense, uh, it's been a different type of year this year for the Big 12. And in this game as well, defense was the name of the game. Uh, while Oklahoma State bottled up the Bears' potent rushing attack and uh, moved the ball well themselves, they didn't put up a ton of points, though, and uh, they turned the ball over three times. So they absolutely beat themselves up. They do get it done uh, at home in Stillwater. But the Pokes, uh, you know, it's a wide-open conference race. They are unbeaten. I don't love what I'm seeing from them, so we'll see if they can clean some of that stuff up um it's going to be an interesting potentially very messy depending on what happens in the red river rivalry red river rivalry uh this weekend it's going to be a very interesting potentially very messy finish in the big 12 um i I don't i don't think i see a world where oklahoma state is potentially sitting atop of it but you know it could happen uh like i said they got to figure out their some of their offensive things and, and some of their mistakes three touchdowns or three turnovers being one of them my bragger of the game here's Jalen Warren running back for Oklahoma State who carried it 17 times I'm sorry 36 times I don't know where I got 17 from 36 times and got 120 or 25 yards and two touchdowns um, it was a pretty good productive day for him on a day where there wasn't a ton of stats put up uh, like I said Oklahoma defense did Oklahoma State defense did pretty good as well, but my bragger of the game is going to be Jalen Warren. All right, what'd you like? What'd you not like? Well, is there a more quiet five and O team than Oklahoma State? That's what I'm saying because they're not good. I, it's crazy. It really is crazy. I don't. I don't know. I mean, certainly don't think they're warranted. They don't. They shouldn't. They're not a top you know ten fifteen team, but I think they're a top twenty five team. Listen, they play really good defense and. Uh, Baylor just simply had no chance to 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 match in offensively, and you're right. I, th- I think the biggest question mark for this Oklahoma State team right now is their inconsistency at the inconsistency at the quarterback position. Spencer Sanders, we've been talking about him, hyping him up for a couple of years now. Certainly, when he has his good performances, they are very good. And then he has he he has a tendency to have these duds. And listen, he went out there and still made some plays. So. I wouldn't call this a dud of a performance, but they left points out there, and those three picks, you know, really hurt them. Uh, it, it, this could have been a, uh, you know, maybe even a blowout. It really could have. And and Baylor coming in with a lot of hype, a lot of people were starting to go, man, maybe this Baylor team's the class of the Big 12, and Oklahoma State just puts, puts an end to that real quick. Defensively, they are sound. They are a very good defensive team, uh, and, and they were just able to control the line of scrimmage and run the ball down the throat and control the possession. And uh, that's good enough to get the win. It wasn't pretty. If Spencer Sanders can just somehow figure that out and keep, you know, not throw as many picks or not turn it over as much, you know, just kind of play even game manage. I know they can't do that sometimes um, if they're down or, you know, if they're, if they're playing in Oklahoma or, or even a Texas this year, because I think Texas may have the best offense 
in the Big 12, which is crazy to, to even say that out loud. Um, but, yeah, if they can do that, that this, this defense certainly will keep them in a lot of games and certainly will win them a lot of games this year. So, um, you know, watch out for Oklahoma State. We'll, we'll see how they go. I, I love this team just from a – I've been riding them all year, so um, they've been my uh, my best kept secret. So let's hope uh, let's hope everybody stays off them so that I can keep benefiting. All right, time to talk about the Tiger Bowl. You already alluded to this game a little bit earlier in the podcast. Auburn twenty four, <sighs> LSU. Um, I can't read my notes. Is that seventeen? Nineteen? Nineteen? Um, Nineteen. <laughs> I was gonna say I was jotting this stuff down at the end of the day uh didn't didn't look great in my handwriting all right abby gets the win in death valley for the first time since 1999 i could not believe that stat when i heard it um but nonetheless awesome awesome thing to see i, I love to see streaks break um it, it's fun for me uh bo nicks continues to be the most confusing quarterback in football he dazzled this week he was bitched Last week, we'll see what he does this week against Georgia. Um, very confusing guy, but he was able to really move around scramble. I mean, some of his scrambling it was was insane. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that next week versus a Georgia front seven that uh, is real fast, real real potent. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, on the LSU side, they have uh, major run game issues. They only got 11 yards in this one, Pierce. Now, Max Johnson had a decent night despite that, uh, but he doesn't have any help, so they're not able to really balance it. You know they're going to throw every single time. He threw 46 times in this one. That's a lot for a quarterback, um, particularly one who's not had a ton of consistency, uh, and especially when, you, like I said, you know he's going to throw every single time. Uh, my bragger of the week in this one is Bo Nix, 255 yards in the air, 74 on the ground, two touchdowns respectively, one on the air, or one in the air, one on the ground. Um, and and he, he, you know, just when you think to yourselves, Bo Nix done, he puts up a, a really good game. And that's how it's been his whole career. So we'll see what happens uh, next week. But uh, all in all, Auburn gets it done uh, against an LSU team that uh, Ed Orgeron's seat's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. But, uh, hey. That's to be expected when you when you go and you hire your interim coach. Uh, what'd you like about the Tiger Bowl? What'd you not like about the Tiger Bowl? Uh, I didn't like much of it at all, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, I really think that uh, LSU should have fired their fired Ed Orger on on Sunday. Um, hell, maybe even Saturday after the game. This is just inaccept unacceptable. You you can't. The fact that you can't run the ball on just a mediocre team. I know they have a better defense than than maybe mediocre. Um, Certainly, I think their defense is the best unit for Auburn. Uh, you, you can't go out there. I mean, listen, the LSU got up, and they had to continue to throw the ball because they couldn't run. And and that's a weird – that it was a weird game to watch from that standpoint because you don't see that very often in the SEC where a team gets up and just – you know, if they – it doesn't matter if they're necessarily the more dominant team, but you, yeah, you got to expect them to run the ball and, and to try to slow down, you know, to, to, to shorten the game and, and control possession and – they just kept dropping back and throwing because they had no chance to run the ball. Um, I, I, I was impressed with Bo Nix. Impressed is different than saying I really like what he's doing and you know his his prospects going forward. Uh, but this was a better Bo Nix performance on the road than you've seen in the past. That's that's typically where he has his 
worst performances, and he had some Houdini acts. I mean, go figure, right, from an Auburn quarterback of all people. Uh, but but Bo Nix came out there, and you know he was being he was running all over the field. He was making he was extending plays. He was making things happen, and that's what Bo has to do. He's not a pocket passer. He's just not a pocket passer. Now, his decision making will always get him in trouble, and I think that's where uh, I, I think why he got benched um, last week and, 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 and kind of where his woes have been, you know, it's not necessarily enough to, to make the Houdini act and then to throw it and, and, and make a terrible decision and have it picked off. And, and, you know, but I don't think he's a pocket passer. I think he certainly needs to run, um, run around, extend plays, you know, allow his uh, receivers a few more seconds to get open uh, and separate from these DBs. Uh, and Bonex was able to do that. I, I will see. I don't think that's going to happen this next week. Uh, but I've seen crazier things. Uh, Auburn was able to sneak this one out. It was not pretty. I mean, LSU, I, here was what was shocked me the most. And I'm not sure if you watched this game. A little bit. I started seeing it on Twitter. I started noticing it, but I didn't really think too much about it um, until I started reading on Twitter from some people that were in the game saying, man, it's a, it's a real shame. This is just not the same LSU fan base or team that, that we're used to seeing. And, and I was confused. And, they went on to say, it's 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 the it's you know getting down to the end of the third quarter and the stadium's emptying. They were up, they were up in a close game against Auburn, a ranked team in their house, and and the fans started leaving, wow. and so the noise wasn't there, and Auburn was e- it was easier for them to make that comeback. Listen, is it on the fans? No, no. But you gotta be able to. You gotta help if you have some pride and help your team out. They're out there fighting to to show to give you a good time and and to win for you, um, and to you know give you something. You know, it's a sporting event. Give you something to watch and enjoy, and and to to, to abandon like that was just despicable in my opinion. And quite frankly, probably uh, was the nail in the coffin uh, for LSU uh, failing to get this win. So, gotta give credit to Bo Nix and Auburn. They uh, they battled. Uh, certainly, it could have been. Um, you coming off that Georgia State debacle last week could have been an ugly, ugly game. And they came out and, and you know, prevailed. Didn't know that about the fans. That's a bummer when, when so many teams were helped by that. Georgia was helped by that. Kentucky was helped by that. Uh, you got to stay to will your team on to victory. Come on now. All right. Well, well, and think about this too, real yep. quick. You know, arguably, a lot of people think it's the best uh, best place to watch a game because at night, in no, in no small part because of the fans. The fans are a big reason why. Think about this too. It wouldn't have mattered because the game was a blowout anyway. But you put that game at night instead of the Georgia Arkansas game, right? The, right. Do you know, like, do they deserve to have those late games if they're just going to bail? I'm not sure. Yeah, for for such a vaunted. Um tradition or vaunted reputation i should say of being such a tough place to play at night to your to your credit uh, not not great from them all right uh, let's talk about the last game that we predicted arizona state 42 ucla 23 now the pac 12 is in an interesting spot they probably just saw their um best shot at a playoff team go down when oregon lost to stanford um, but Arizona State reignited at least their conference championship hopes with this one. Um, I'm going to go ahead and point out, and, and I, I, he's wildly inconsistent, but he is uh, electric when you watch him. Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA, he had prolific 
numbers. Unfortunately, the UCLA defense is just Swiss cheese. So uh, you can't play both sides of the ball, obviously. And he wasn't able to, you know, he can't, he can't help out his defense being that good, but he put up prolific numbers um, in this one. And the Bruins are going to have to fix that if they want to kind of salvage this season. They've not had a winning record here since 2015. They're on the right track for that. But if they continue to just let teams put up numbers or points on them, rather, I should say, uh, it's going to be a tough, tough get for them down the stretch. Meanwhile, Jaden Daniels for Arizona State at quarterback uh, stepped up in a run-heavy offense, usually they uh, they had him throw for 286 yards and two touchdowns. Usually they run the ball pretty heavily. He was able to step up and really uh, shine as they sh- they uh, asked for him to to really um, shoulder a lot of the load. My bragger of the game is Ricky Purcell, Purcell uh, wide receiver for Arizona State. He had four catches, just four catches, but 132 yards and two touchdowns. I think four of... Um, Daniels's passes went for over 45 yards. That's pretty good. Like I said, he had a good game as well. And Arizona State gets it done uh, in, in pretty dominating fashion in Pac-12 after dark. All right, last remarks here, Pierce, about this one. What would you think? Man, I had trouble staying up for this game, especially because uh, once it got into the second half, uh, my UCLA play was a dead duck. You could see it. Uh, weird, weird game from UCLA. It came out and was hanging with, was hanging with the whole game. Um, you know, certainly statistically, when you look at this game, um, you know, not too far off. Uh, yeah, Arizona State got 30 more yards. But, you know, then you look into it and go, well, certainly UCLA had, you know, some, uh, some uh, you know, uh, turnovers, nothing. It was clean. Where they really kind of got themselves hurt was nine penalties for 90 yards. Um, that, that really put them in some tough spots. Listen, they, they couldn't, they couldn't tack anything in the second, in the second half. And, and you're not going to win. Um, even if you're at home doing that against a solid team, Arizona state, while not ranked is a solid team. A lot of people thought that they would be one of the top 25 teams for the PAC 12 when all said and done. Um, certainly dealing with some things after the off season debacle that, uh, Herm Edwards is dealing with with recruits coming even during COVID restrictions and last year and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, if they can somehow just keep their heads focused, this is a good team. So, you know, UCLA wasn't going to be able to, to, to cakewalk here. Uh, DTR did his best, uh, but they couldn't punch it in the second half. And that was uh, that ultimately what cost them this game. And uh, give kudos to Arizona State because after losing, I believe it was to what, BYU uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Certainly, uh, certainly thought maybe, oh yeah, two weeks ago, certainly thought maybe, you know, not, not having an awful season, but certainly some of these tightly contested games, maybe they would not come out and play with passion and, you know, back to back weeks, uh, putting in good performances. So, uh, give Herm Edwards some credit and give Jaden Daniels some credit. Uh, certainly when they're clicking, they could be a scary, scary team to face. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for our week five recap. We'll be back in just a few hours with our week six preview. Got some really good games, got some mad games. We'll see uh, what we think of those down the stretch. But if you're not following us here, wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you do so so you don't miss a single episode. Uh, Pierce was tweeting up a storm with his analysis and giving you some of those uh, betting lines and things of that nature over on Bragging Pod on Twitter. That's bragging without the G. And assuming Instagram stays up and that somebody doesn't take it off the entire internet again, we're also Bragging Pod on Instagram. That is going to do it for us this week. We will see you, like I said, in just a few hours. But until then, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.